That's the sound of ice cubes in a water bottle. That's the sound of ice cubes in a water bottle. That's the sound of ice cubes hydrating me so I don't faint on the microphone. Keep running, running, keep running, running. Nope. Oh, boy. Tiptoeing the fine line of delirium. Just putting my toe into the pool of insanity. Yeah? What the hell's going on? You know, there's a lot of time people give you good advice and you nod and you go, yeah, that's good advice. And you know, deep down, I'm never going to follow that. That happens to all of us, right? Someone gives you like really good, healthy, intelligent advice and you go, oh, thank you. That's helpful. And then you think, I'll never follow that shit, but I appreciate us having this exchange. Let me close these windows. Hold on. Okay. All right. So good advice. I think we've all heard the advice. Don't Google your physical symptoms. If you're feeling off, if you're having some pain or discomfort in your body, don't just Google all that stuff. Talk to a doctor. See a doctor. A real one. Not somebody on a message board who goes by the alias Dr. Balzonia. No, no, no. A real doctor. Real one. Didn't we see some fake doctors in the news recently? Not them. Real ones. Because if you do Google your symptoms, oh my God, you're fucked. Four days ago, four days ago, I'm doing a YouTube workout because I'm not going back to the gym yet. I'm not there yet. Okay, I don't want to be coughed on at the water fountain by Hal. You know Hal at the gym? Everybody has a Hal at the gym. He's about 55 to 60 years old, covered in thick body fur. It's not just like he has a hairy chest or a hairy back, but Hal, who wears that tank top that he bought on that trip to Maui when he was young, he still wears it. It's very loose. It used to be blue, but now it just looks like it's been stained with cotton candy. Hal gets too close at the water fountain. I used to be able to accept him. I used to even be able to talk to Hal. Hey, is it Friday yet? Yeah, it's been nice outside. Thanks, Hal. There's your small talk. But now, Hal? Hal, we're in a pandemic. You got to go away. So some gyms are starting to open, but I don't trust it yet. Gyms? I know people wearing masks at gyms sounds good, but we're sharing a lot of sweat and space. Even saying that right now, I think I would trust some of them, and I plan to go back soon because when I do YouTube workouts, I try to hang around. I try to push it to the limit with these instructors, these YouTube fitness gurus who are so juiced out of their minds on steroids. Yet they're telling me, you gotta stay with it. You gotta pump up the jam. You gotta bring yourself to a level you didn't know you could fucking get to. Okay, now stay with me for the next 20 minutes. And I go, I got you, I got you. I find the best YouTube workouts. They tell me things like, you can now graduate to level four. You soft wimp. Hanging around at level three. Come with me to level four. So I did. I went with this guy, Bully Juice. You can look him up. I'm not making this up. Bully Juice is actually my favorite YouTube workout guru. And he brings me to a high level. And I go a little too hard, as we say. In the fitness world, uh, that's a saying we have. It's called going too hard. And I went too hard. But in the moment, I didn't know I was going too hard. And then I forgot I went too hard. And that night in bed, sharp pains. Then the next night, sharp pains. Then the next day, I could barely walk. Am I having internal bleeding? What's going on? And then the next night, that's night number three, I wake up at 4 a.m. and I can't get comfortable on the bed. So I walk to my phone. That's right. I don't keep the phone with me in the bedroom. 
The phone stays in the kitchen because I'm an addict and I can't have it too close. So I walk to my phone at 4 a.m. and I just Google lower back pain, lower abdominal pain. Let's go. Let's go on the journey of idiocy. And I start clicking on the least credible message boards and sites. And I learn that I probably have a kidney stone to pass, an ulcer that's puncturing my system. I realize that I probably have pancreatitis. Diverticulitis, pamparaditis, I might have bayayoyangus. Going through the checklist of symptoms and going, yeah, yeah, I think I have that too. I guess I have that too. So honestly, I went to Kaiser. My doctor's like, yeah, we'll call in a little CAT scan for your abdomen. Get a urine sample, get a blood sample. Because you, sir, are having sharp pains at age 38. And we know where your mind is going. It really did go to some weird, weird places. So the advice is don't, 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 don't Google your symptoms. Talk to a doctor because when you Google your symptoms, you get contactinitis and it runs up your inner thigh all the way through your liver, deep down into your pelvis. And you just diagnose yourself right there in your boxers at 4 a.m. in the dark. You go, I got it. Oh, I got to tell my wife in the morning. Oh, boy. Hope she's sitting down when I break her the news. Hey, honey. Oh, boy. It turns out Dr. Balzania on Reddit says it's not looking good. And she's like, yeah, go to Kaiser. So I went awaiting the results. I think they're normal. I'm fine, folks. I'm fine. It's episode 102. If there's never an episode 103, then you can start worrying. But for now, stop worrying. I mean, you could send cards and flowers and food and drinks. But honestly, I don't need it. You can send Champagne, maybe Prosecco. It's not as sweet, kind of like that. I'm in the mood for it. You could send some fine cheeses. You know, there's a truffle brie, the Marin French Cheese Company makes. You could send that, but I'm fine. Honestly, I'm fine. You could send me any pair of Nike Air Max with the big air bubble, so it gives me some height, size 10 and a half. But honestly, I don't need anything right now. I'm going to get through this, but I do appreciate it. Uh, text me for my address to start sending these gifts. All right, so take the advice. Don't Google your symptoms. What is this summer, right? What is this summer? Every decision feels big. Do we do patio dining? Do we send kids back to daycare? Do we send children back into the schools? Do we go vacation as a family? Or do we do none of it and just stay indoors? Do we do none of it and hide from an invisible virus that updates each and every day? Everybody Googling their town. How many more hospitalizations? How many more deaths? Up, down, arrows. And then social media is telling us who's lying, who's telling us the truth. And there's hoaxes and there's misinformation and there's a lot of things and theories coming at us. And then we get pissed and stressed. And then we have sharp pain in our abdomen and we Google our symptoms and realize we should go to the hospital. But wasn't this all because of COVID-19? All of it? I had this thought. Now, clearly I value schools. These places called schools, preschools, elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, colleges, I value all of them. But why? Why do I value all of them when I look back into my own experience inside many classrooms and I can't tell you much of what I've learned? I mean, I know I was taught literacy at some point and I sharpened my literacy skills throughout my life inside of classrooms. And I know there's information that I crammed to do well on tests, multiple choice tests. And I know there were certain subjects that I enjoyed like Spanish or English. 
and certain subjects where I was completely lost, like chemistry, with Gordon Stevens. Anybody listening remember him? Holy moly. You couldn't script a more eccentric chemistry teacher. If you're casting a movie, an 80s teen comedy, there's your chemistry teacher. I didn't understand a word he said for an entire year, but God damn it, I loved looking at him. So what happens? If I'm sitting here saying I value school, but really, I'm not so sure all these minutes and hours throughout my life that I spent at my desk were totally worthwhile. Well, here's your answer. Schools provide people. Simple, right? We remember the personalities of our teachers. We remember the people we met, the friends we came across. We also probably learned the type of people we don't like by being at schools. There was just a cross exchange of personalities. You got to witness laughter, crying, fighting, glee. Think about all the things you see on a campus. Do you see somebody sad every day? Yeah. Do you see somebody happy every day? Yeah. Do you see somebody who's ready to fight every day? Yeah. Do you see somebody who's ready to hug you every day? Yeah. Do you see somebody who's a guitar prodigy every day? Yeah. Do you see a teacher you love every day? Yeah. Do you see somebody you think is picking on you every day? Yeah. It teaches you about the spectrum of life. It's a microcosm for what's out there. Schools provide all of that. And then what happens inside of the classroom? I hope it's good, but most people could look back on their lives and count maybe a few teachers that they truly remember. I mean, you've probably had over a hundred teachers throughout your life, but how many do you remember impacted you so positively? Mm, A few, right? A few really solid ones. Yet when do we do our best learning? I think I know the answer. Ask yourself that question right now. When do we do our best learning throughout life? It's kind of on our own, right? When we're so interested in something, we just keep pushing doors open to seek the information. On our own. The experiences that we try to create for ourselves. When we do the most learning. So my point is, I'm not so worried about the kids being off this semester, doing distance learning in front of their screens. Because they're not going to have the in-person experience in their world history class, in their math class, in their science class, in PE, in drama. All that is terrible. But really, the worst part is that they're missing the in-person experiences. Teachers could be the best, the best online instructors in the world. Right now, if every teacher was doing it at the highest level possible, it still doesn't work well. Yet we all have to do what's safe right now. That's why we're all so torn, so conflicted. We all want to go back. Teachers want to go back. Kids want to go back. Simultaneously, we're all sharing the same exact goal. Parents want us all back. But if it's not safe right now, We have to just swallow it, do what's right, hate it even. And I guess that'll teach us its own lesson, like everything I'm trying to find a little moral in it. But you got some kids, you got tons of kids who go to school every day and what do they get out of it? Just observing humans, being around humans, being drawn to personalities. You remove all of that. I know one of the big ideas going around is the mental health impact on kids. But it's so damn true. And we haven't seen it yet. The studies aren't out yet. Like if you were told you couldn't see friends, you couldn't interact in person with your favorite teachers or play sports or perform concerts, recitals, performances for this long, this is a weird stretch for young people that we're going to have to study in the future. From a psychological standpoint, I really have worries and concerns, just like a lot of parents out there. And that's what I can't stop thinking about. So let's expedite that fucking vaccine, huh, pal?
I'm talking to you scientists, scientist fans of this podcast who needed me to swear and demand a faster vaccine and one that works and it's available to all people and works so well that we'll never need another vaccine and we just solve it by early December, maybe late November. How about that? How about we do that? So when we actually go back, we're not just going back into a horror movie waiting to be infected, but we're going back and feeling good. Feeling normal, feeling safe, feeling happy. That'll happen. It actually will happen. It'll happen. We're going to learn patience. And I'm not a patient guy, so I'm being forced to learn patience. Ice cubes in a water bottle. Ice cubes in a water bottle. You know the old Waylon Jennings song. Yeah, that's a long way of saying anybody my age, you ask them, hey, when did you do the most learning in your entire life? What do you remember? They're probably going to say, yeah, this person or the time I personally sought this information on my own and studied it and loved it and had a passion for it. It's not always the academic experience that we are all forced into. And some of us get a lot out of it, a lot out of it. In others, school is an entirely different experience, yet still so positive and so healthy. If you're not pulling in straight A's and you're not headed down the Ivy League or AP path of life and you're still getting so much out of school, this is also tough. Most people understand that. But I think there's such an emphasis on what about the holes in their knowledge by not being in the classroom to learn all of the subjects. I go, yeah, 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 that exists. There could be holes in their knowledge and that's worrisome. But the idea that we have humans not being socialized of all ages, of all ages right now, from a three and a half year old who's getting to know his new buddies or her new buddies at the preschool, at the daycare, to the kid about to enter elementary school and make lifelong friends and do snack time, art time, and study that alphabet, to the kids that were just entering high school, you remember how scary that is that first day? Oh my God, we're here. We're here. Oh, oh God. To the kids who just work so hard to get to college. Oh boy. All of these humans throughout the country and beyond right now. Not having that experience. That's the sound. That's the sound. Actually, I shouldn't do that. I got abdominal pain. Where do I go from here? Yeah, let's just go right into this. What goes in the fridge? What goes on the counter? and What goes in the cupboard? You'll never get humans to agree on this. If you're married, you just have to acquiesce, win some, lose some, negotiate. But what goes in the fridge? What goes on the counter? What goes in a cupboard? Syrup? Or how do you even say that? There's your first disagreement. Syrup? Syrup. Forget it. That's not the topic. Syrup. I say syrup. And it goes in the fridge. I said it. I go to my mom's house. It's in the cupboard. I say, I like cold syrup on a pancake. And you say, shut the fuck up. And I say, We don't have to use such harsh language on this podcast, okay? I'll be the first to say that. Bananas, obviously on the counter. If you're putting them in the fridge, oh my God, oh my God. Honestly, if you're putting them in the fridge, maybe just tiptoe away from this podcast and come back in a year because they go brown and they go bad real quick. Avocados, for me, in the fridge. I said it. I'm just giving you a chance to disagree or agree. Ketchup? I put ketchup in the fridge, folks. I do. I do. Okay. Butter. Now, of course, I put butter in the fridge, but I've seen adults who keep it on the counter. Stick butter on the counter. You ever seen this? Have you ever seen these maniacs? They exist. They're out there. They may live amongst you. 
Who knows? They may live with you. Honey, cupboard. Honey, cupboard. You put your honey in the fridge and it gets hard and you have to wait a half hour before it slips down that bear's head. Then you're ruining your life. And this is an intervention. Bread. Bread's a big one. And my house goes in the damn fridge. Okay? Bread goes in the damn fridge. And I think mainly because I don't like the way it looks on top of the microwave. I don't like the way it looks outside of the fridge. Maybe someone could make the case that's where bread should go. Understanding temperatures. Olive oil on the counter, not in the cupboard. Okay, you could keep a lot of condiments in the cupboard. Olive oil, show your guests. Show it off. Let it be right next to the stove at all times. Olive oil, if you're not using it, you need to. Uh, Extra virgin, of course. Organic, it's your call. But olive oil, keep it out there. Keep it out there, okay? It puts people at ease. If they walk into your house and they see olive oil on the counter, for some reason, just that green goo puts people at ease. So on the counter, not in the cupboard. I think you know that already. Lemons, counter. Apples, fridge. Peaches, nectarines. Kiwis, fridge. Pears, kumquats, and loquats, counter. Mayonnaise, freezer. Cheddar cheese under the pillow in your bedroom. Get a pen. I'm going to take you to school right now. Get a pen. Milk in the hamper. Raisins in your car. I feel like you know this already, though. Do we really have to go down this path? I mean, they don't teach you this, but I assume that's why you're listening. Lettuce cupboard. No, no, no. Romaine lettuce cupboard. Iceberg lettuce counter. Kimchi fridge. Yeah, I said it. Everybody messing with some kimchi these days? Put that in the fridge, okay? Maybe I'll get off this topic. I feel like it went in a weird direction, but it felt good. felt good. There's no way our habits of where it goes, when we unload our groceries, there's no way everybody's doing it the same. No way. There's probably some people that put their almonds in the fridge. And to you, I say, please get some help. Get some help. It's available for you. But almonds go in the cupboard next to the microwavable popcorn. And if you even tell me for a moment you're not having microwavable popcorn, it's just not your thing, then right now I need to call your uncles, your aunts, your cousins, and your six best friends to visit you during a pandemic for one of the most serious and transformational interventions you've ever experienced. Actually, I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. Honestly, I'm just looking out the window and I know I'm talking about an intervention, but my mind is that dull where I can't remember what I was talking about. That's crazy. An intervention for what? Sorry, this feels like an attack. You didn't come here for that. Take a breath, take a breath, take a breath, take a breath, take a breath. Oh, that breath hurt my abdomen. I think I need to go Google my Kaiser results, folks. I might have to pass a kidney stone. Is there anybody listening that has ever passed a kidney stone? Oh, my God. Does anything have a bigger reputation of pain? Oh, shit. Pass a kidney stone? Nah, thanks. Is that going to show up in my Kaiser inbox? Hey, Josh, it was good seeing you. Thanks for getting the lab work done. You got to go ahead and pass that rock through the urethra. Love always, Dr. Danelian. Does anybody know what solipsism is? This is weird, but it's a word and it's a thing and it shouldn't be a word and it shouldn't be a thing. But now I'm going to pick up my phone and read you the definition of solipsism and think about where it brings your mind. Hold on, getting my phone, putting in my passcode like so, typing in solipsism because my wife and I were stargazing the other night. 
and we talk about weird things. And my wife told me, a lot of these stars I'm looking at, those aren't real. It's just light years have uh, caused the star illumination to get to my eyes after the stars go. Oh, I'm doing such a shitty job of describing that. But let me Google that first before solipsism. Okay, my wife, way smarter than me. We're just having a good time, having a glass of wine outside, looking at the stars at about 10 p.m. Yep, we party around 10. She said, the light you're looking at is many years old. So I just Googled it and she's right. It says, the star nearest our solar system, Proxima Centauri, is about four light years away. The light traveling from Proxima Centauri to Earth takes about four years to get here. Thus, the light is four years old when we see it. How do we see things that are light years away? Well, thanks to a gravitational lens, astronomers can see an individual star 9 billion light years away. Maybe that's not even my point. What am I saying? Hold on. Solipsism. You ready? Solipsism is like a weird black mirror. If anybody ever had this view or theory. Okay, here we go. It is the philosophical idea that one's mind is sure to exist and that's all that is sure to exist. Holding the knowledge that anything outside of your own mind, one's own mind, is unsure. The external world, other people's minds, can't be known, can't even be proven, so they might not exist. <sighs> Has anybody ever gotten to that weird place in their head? Denial of material existence? Or not just denial, but just saying, I can't be certain. That all the people in my life even exist because I'll never get within their consciousness. It's a disorder, right? It's a totally weird disorder. My mental state is the only mental state I could be sure of. And anything else could exist. Maybe it doesn't. It's a weird place to live. I don't think it's narcissism. Maybe it is. When the world revolves around you, it's probably way more serious than that. Hold on, let me keep Googling. Or maybe you're like, who cares? All right, check this out. Existence really just means my existence. And that is everything that I experience, physical objects, other people, events, processes, anything that would commonly be regarded as a constituent of the space and time in which I coexist with others and is necessarily construed by me as part of the content of my consciousness. It's not merely the case that our beliefs and thoughts and experiences and emotions are of contingent fact, but these could be the only thoughts, experiences, and emotions. So a solipsist can attach no meaning that there could be thoughts, experiences, and emotions other than their own. Some people actually have this disorder. That must be the scariest world to live in, where you can't trust that anybody else is actually having a cognitive experience. You know, I don't even know if we're going to dissect that one. That might be a little too out there. First time I ever heard that word, Josh Friday's dad, who keeps his butter on the counter, by the way, his name's Doug Friday. And Doug Friday coached me in baseball when I was 10 to 12 years old, and he was a damn fine coach. He's a damn fine coach. How dare you say anything negative about Doug's approach to coaching the Royals? Anywho, he's into philosophy. He's written a book. He was teaching me about solipsism. And I think he said he might have been related to one. I was like, I don't get it. I don't get it. But years later, I've Googled it here and I've Googled it there. And I thought it'd be a great plot for a movie. Has anybody ever written a movie about a solipsist? No? All right. Is it time for me to get out of here already? I actually have a Zoom coming up. I'm not looking forward to it. Zooming over the summertime. I remember when the 
pandemic first started, a lot of friends were like, should we just do a Zoom, a little happy hour Zoom? And it sounded fun. No one's doing that anymore, right? We're all just giving each other the old get through it space. If you have three friends who are like so excited to keep Zooming, yeah, let's have a drink tonight, 8 p.m. Let's just sit in front of our screen and Zoom. And we'll just all interrupt each other and someone's going to have a bat connection and they will get frozen in a weird face. How fun is this? <laughs> Enough with the Zooms. All right, file this one into the old who gives a shit category, but stay with me. My wife and I landscaped. Oh, you're already at the who gives a shit point of the podcast? My wife and I landscaped. Okay, now I'm just bragging. Dark mulch, drought-friendly plants. Took out the lawn, took out the weeds, took down the tree. If you're an environmentalist, don't get mad at us. Sometimes people take down trees, okay? It was messing with our sewer line, and it was raining down berries on our cars. So don't get mad if you're an environmentalist. Sometimes that happens. Actually, I've seen tree removal all over the suburbs lately. Anyways, got rid of a tree, put in all these plants. And then we were actually able to see our house. And we were like, hmm, we had that moment. It wasn't quite remorse, but it was like, uh, okay, okay, I like it. You know, keep saying that out loud. You ever buy something that you're not fully into and you're like, I like it. You have to keep saying that. Like, I like it. I like it. And your voice gets, I really like it. I like it. I don't miss the tree. I don't miss the lawn. Through tears. No, we like it. We do. It was the vision we had and our landscapers did a great job, but the house looked naked. We knew we needed a tree. And we both like Japanese maple trees. Oh, you do too? <gasps> let's be in a club together. Let's really, let's start a club. Let's Zoom tonight. Pour yourself some sake and let's talk Japanese maple trees. All right, I'll meet you there. But in all honesty, we'd go to all these local nurseries and they'd have maybe one or two Japanese maples. And these, you know, teenage salespeople would come up to you and they just read you the tag. Uh, this, this one says uh, maple. I'm like, okay, great. Do you know anything about it? Uh, yeah, um, it's it's going to come from the ground and then towards the top, it, uh, it'll, it'll grow and then pruning. Oh, did you say pruning out of nowhere? Yeah, so maples. Okay, we're done here. Like no one had any knowledge at all these local nurseries and it's good to see young teens working during the summertime. But these teens that were trying to teach us about trees and how often do you water it? How do you plant it? Nothing. So we started a research. We said, we're going to find the right Japanese maple. And we're starting to look online. And there's only, I don't know, about 3.2 billion types of Japanese maple trees. So we're screwed. You know, how do we narrow it down to what we truly want? We're in a zone nine. What does that mean? There's zones about the type of plants that could thrive in your yard. We're learning our zones, folks. Drip irrigation, of course, you need that. Drip, 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 drip. How much do you drip? So my wife makes a call. The first guy she calls recommends her to another guy. And he goes, yeah, you got to get out of Marin. You got to go up Petaluma, Katati, Sebastopol, Santa Rosa. And then he says, call this guy. And now it's nobody has a website or a number. It's just call, call Hal with the body hair. No, call this guy. He knows a guy. He knows a guy. And all of a sudden, my wife called enough people as we were driving that she got the number for Momiji Nursery. That's M-O-M-I-G. Nope. I misspelled it. Hey, you shit for brains. It's M-O-M-I-J-I nursery. And I don't even know where we were. Maybe Petaluma, Katati, Sebastopol, Santa Rosa in that area. And this older Japanese gentleman, when we got there, my wife called and he said, sure, come. I have some. I have some Japanese maples. We got there and it was just a chain link fence. There's no sign to tell you you're at the right place. Just an address. And he pulls back this chain link fence, he kind of rolls it back. And he has this old dog and he has a few hoses 
And oh yeah, he had about 3,000 of the most amazingly beautiful Japanese maple trees of all sizes for us to choose from. And he took us to school, taught us about all the many different ones, what they could do for your yard, how to treat them, how to care for them. And we made a decision. We got a Kagamata or a Katsura, not the Katsura. I don't know. But we got one of them that probably gets about 12 feet high. And we planted it. First time I ever planted a tree. No wonder my back hurts. Have you ever planted a tree? Oh, I'm so happy I brought up this story. Because I was wondering, why is my back destroyed? Because I planted a tree, folks. You dig a big hole like 30 inches into the ground, 30 inches wide. And you just dig and dig and dig. And I'm 38, okay? That's the age where you're probably going to hurt yourself planting a tree, but we planted it. It looks beautiful. And now everything looks beautiful. The whole house looks better than ever. Why do I bring this up? I guess patience. Does everything need a moral to the story? Probably not, but patience. I could have picked the first Japanese maple at this nursery where the teen was telling me, so right here are leaves. And what these are going to do is sometimes fall and sometimes the leaves won't fall. And I go, thanks, Jasper, get your manager. Or we could find this guy, this old Japanese historian of Japanese maples and do the proper research. And we learned about it. Why? Because we wanted to. Not because we took a class in a classroom in a desk called Find the Right Japanese Maple Tree. But no, because we on our own decided to learn. It's all coming full circle. My back pain, how kids really learn or how kids really feel stimulated and healthy because they get to go out into the world and seek what they want. So there it is. Okay? There it is. Cheers to you. You just survived episode 102. And I love you so much. And by the next time we speak, I'm either going to be passing kidney stones right here into this microphone, yeah, bad image, or I'm going to be totally fine, one or the other. But don't you go Googling your symptoms. Don't do it. Find a doc. Find a doc. All right, folks, that's it. Um, leave a rating on iTunes. Go ahead, five stars, six stars, you know, 10 stars. Reach for the stars. There you go. All right, episode 102, it's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>